the question really is, is it well? And, uh, you know, the question would be, would you rather? Would you rather trust and lean into God's plan for your life, whatever that may be? Or would you rather trust your plan and what you think looks right and, and trust in yourself? And, and I think, honestly, most of us, right off the bat, if somebody asks us that, our, our first inclination would be his plan, totally trust his plan. And mainly because we've been proven wrong a lot in the past, and we've been burned, and we know that our path and our plan doesn't cut it and isn't right, um, and that we want to take God's plan. Uh, Ironically, though, time and time again, we see what his plan is as he reveals it to us, but it doesn't really fit into what we think the plan should look like and how it should be packaged, so we question it time and time again. you know, I started working on this. It's one of those things you do a little here, you do a little there. A long time ago, Pastor Tim, I guess it was last year, Pastor Tim was sick on a, on a Saturday. Pastor Randy was out. Pastor Tim texted me, and I, and I said, oh, no. I may be up on, at bat on Sunday. I, and, and I was like, Lord, I don't have anything. What, what do you have for me? Um, and the thing is, when you ask the Lord a question, he will answer. And he will give you an answer. You just may not like it. Um, and he gave me an answer. And usually it, 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 it's, okay, this portion of Scripture, Habakkuk or, or Acts, Lord, give me Ezekiel, give me something. And it, before I get to what he gave me, um, I, uh, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up knowing any hymns. Uh, my wife loves them. And, and as I walk longer with the Lord, I realize how powerful hymns are, how scriptural, how deep they are. And so when I asked the Lord, okay, if I got to go up on a Sunday, what in the world am I going to teach about? Out of nowhere, because I don't know hymns and I really don't know their name, he put on my heart, it is well with your soul. And I thought to myself, that is not a scripture. That is not a book I can turn to. Lord, what in the world do you want me to do this? So, you know, long story short, I let it lapse, right? Didn't pursue it. Okay, thanks. Pastor Tim wasn't sick. He taught. Praise the Lord. I didn't have to throw anything together. So uh, I kind of really didn't pay much attention to it because we can do that. We can kind of crowd God out what he gives you, kind of push it to the side. It becomes overcome by events or life or busyness. Well, last year, uh, December 13th, 2016, Julie was in a car wreck, and I was up in D.C., and it took me three hours to come down to the hospital. For three hours, I sat in traffic, ranging the whole gamut of crying to punching the dashboard, and the Lord places in my mind, it is well with my soul. So for three hours, I sat in traffic going, no, no, it is not well with my soul. No, it's not. Like, I don't, I don't care what the hymn is. I didn't even know what the lyrics were, but I was like, Lord, no. Um, and, and, and time passed. And in May, we're, we get to go to the East Coast Pastors Conference, and it's in this really small town uh, in the northeast portion of Maryland, ironically called Northeast Maryland. That's what the town's called. And so it's really small. And for those of you that have been there, uh, the main street is maybe uh, maybe a football field in length, maybe. Small restaurants, a little bit of you know post office, a little here. 
So I'm just happy to go. I'm looking out the window. I'm not driving, loving life, getting ready to worship and, and hear from really experienced and, and, and mature believers. And in this small little town, small little church, one little sign out front with the plug-in letters, you know, you, you should do when you're little, it said, it is well. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, all right, I got it. Confirmation, Lord, thanks. So I have rested on that hymn a lot, and really meditated on it, and, and it is a spiritual gut check for each and every one of us. Now, um, you know, when you look at the parts of the hymn, and you understand the context of why it was written, which I'll get to, it takes on a totally different meaning. So if you've heard of theme music, I'm not going to play any, if there's a theme verse, I actually would call it uh, Joshua 1.5. It's where God is speaking and says, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So for those of you that don't know the hymn and its history, let me kind of give you a little bit of context here. It's written by a man named Horatio Spafford. Um, and he was a, su a successful businessman and lawyer in Chicago back in like the 1870s. So um, his family, he and his family were going to get on an ocean liner and travel over to Europe. Uh, he had something come up last minute. Most of us have that happen when you have a family trip. Something might come up. Family goes ahead. One person stays back. And that's what took place. So uh, on 1873, he sent his wife, Anna, and, and they had five children, four of their daughters, four daughters, uh, on the ship, and, uh, and they set off to go across the Atlantic while uh, Horatio actually stayed back to take care of some, uh, some work stuff. Um, so that ocean liner had 313 passengers, uh, and, and it got about four days into crossing the Atlantic, and the ocean liner was struck by the Loch Urn, which was an iron-hulled Scottish ship, and not a bump, struck. Anna and the, the four daughters were on board. Anna immediately takes her daughters to the top deck um, to get out of any harm down below. It gets them together and prays with them. They all get on their knees and they start praying. And, and they pray for two things. And, and the two things they pray for are pretty, pretty key. Uh, the first was that God would spare them if that would be his will. Very key how she phrases that. The second portion was, or make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within 12 minutes, the boat went down, carrying 226 of the passengers down with it, including Horatio's four daughters. That's why part of this story is key. Sailor in a boat looking around for survivors sees a woman clinging to wreckage, rows over, and it's Anna. It's Horatio's wife. Pulls her in, gets her on another liner, and, and, and ends up going into Wales. As soon as she gets there, she wires Horatio. No cell phone, no satellite. We're doing it the old-fashioned way. She wires Horatio, and she, says, and she says, saved alone, what shall I do? Now, another one of the ship survivors was a pastor, Pastor Weiss. He actually recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters, and now they've been taken from me. Someday... I will understand why. And, and, and she hits a point here. Rarely do we see the why. 
rarely do we understand the immediate uh, what's happening in the why. Horatio later framed that telegram, and of course, as soon as he gets it, jumps on the next ocean liner and rolls out to meet up with his wife to grieve. Four days into the trip, Captain calls Horatio up to the cabin and says, we are now over the spot where the boat sank and your daughters went down. It was at that point in time Horatio wrote, it is well with my soul. That hymn wasn't written on the back deck staring at a beautiful sunset. It wasn't written at the beach. It is well with my soul, which many of us, we could sing now while we're looking at that. That's not when it was written. It was written when a man had lost four of his daughters. And let me read the first couple lines that you probably know, but let me read them. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And, and, and if you look at that hymn, whether peace or sorrow, right, thou hast taught me to say, not the world, not those people I live around, but thou has taught me to say, it is well. You see, in this hymn, he doesn't involve circumstances. Peace or sorrow? God, you have taught me to say this. Horatio had chosen to look through a specific lens on how to look at this event. He decided to look through the lens of God. See, we have the option as believers to look through spiritual eyes or we have the option to look through worldly eyes. So let's, let's, let's ask this question. Anybody have any different colored sunglasses? Honest question. There's a whole lot of different lenses out there. Some are ridiculous just because they're ridiculous. Some actually have purpose. Shooting glasses, a lot of times, are yellow for Christmas and clarity. Um, I personally, like mountain biking, I like the polarized amber lenses. Clears things up in the forest, dawn, dusk, doesn't matter. Uh, fishermen use that too. Sometimes there's blue lenses. Some fishermen use that because it allows them to see through the water, depending on the depth. So there's, there's different types of lenses we can choose to look through in, I mean, we're talking hobbies here. This isn't life. We're talking just hobbies now. In our day-to-day life, we choose to look through different lenses to affect how we see things. Um, yet sometimes we forget, and I, I always include myself in this. It's a daily thing. We forget to apply the same principle when viewing situations that affect us. John 16.33, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But as we read it, the Holy Spirit speaks the same thing to us. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we're promised two things in, in this simple sentence from Jesus. Tribulation, but peace. And Jesus is overcome. So really, what does it is well with my soul really mean? Well, it certainly doesn't mean that I walk around all the time with a, a, a face pasted on or, or 
fakeness, right? doesn't mean I smile all the time and things don't affect me. Its meaning is deeper than outward appearances. You know, the more I, I, I study Scripture and the more I, I read God's Word, the more I realize to never gloss over it. Each word, each phrase, each sentence is so incredibly deep. Um, and, and this is kind of how we go through the Word down with the youth group. I mean, ask them. It took us a year to get through Acts. I mean, a year. But that's because you can take one sentence of Jesus or an apostle, and the depth behind it is immense. And I, I, I want to break that down um, this evening. Sure, we can sing it. It's a beautiful hymn. I love it. Um, but what is it referring to? And sometimes, we're, Scott, I know what it's referring to. Okay, well, you're going to sit here, and we're going to go through it anyways. Um, so, you know, it's easy to sing it when the sun is bright and things are going your way or things are going according to how you would view your plan, how it kind of fits into that box. Easy to sing. And, and let me say that again. It, it's easy when, when things are going according to how you want them to go. We all have a, a prescribed thing of how, you know, Wednesday or Thursday should look, or I'm doing this event, and all things should fall in line. And that's why Murphy's Law was invented. Things don't always go with plan A, right? Things don't always work out that way. But we have a, a, a plan in our mind how things should look. And we can sing praise to God when we have a job, when we have finances, health. Trust me, I know. Um, these things make it easy to worship. And, and let's be honest. It is good to worship God. It is good to worship Him for the things that He has given us. Um, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from the Lord. and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Psalm 107.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endure, endures forever. But can you sing that? Can you say it when things aren't? When things are not going well? When they're not going according to your plan? When you're no longer on top of the wave, when you're coming down or already at the bottom and it looks like a wave is going to crash over you, can you still sing it? Um, oftentimes, you know, we find ourselves that's hard to do because of the lens that we're looking through. So what does it mean? It is well. What's it? Well, that's, that's any circumstance you're going through. That's, that's anything the Lord has allowed you to be in. Right? It could encompass any kind of circumstance or event. Nothing is out of God's purview. So when this says, it is well with your soul, it uh, is, is everything. You know, Job 28, 24 says, For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under heaven. Nothing has taken place, is taken place, or will ever take place that God doesn't know about. Oftentimes, Sometimes we run or try and do something because we think, maybe if I can do something, God won't find out or God won't see. God knows everything. He's all-seeing. He's all-knowing. And, and He knows. Nothing's out of His purview. And, I, and I'm, I'm here to encourage you. And this tonight really is, is to encourage you 
to rest and lean and grab the promises that God has in his word. They are there, and so quickly we, we don't look at them. So quickly we gloss over them. This is an encouragement for you guys and for me. Because frankly, you know, when you ever, when I teach the youth, guess who has to learn and who the Lord has to teach first? Right? So when I was putting this together, I'm like, oh my gosh, I fail in every single one of these things. I fail in a lot of other things, but this happened to be the subject. God is, is near. He sees. He knows. Look, we all have personal testimonies of hardships. All of us. Every single one. He's not distant. But I will say sometimes he's waiting till we get to the end of ourself. Sometimes he's waiting till we are absolutely broken. And we have nowhere else to go. Because then he goes, now. Now I will show you my power. Because you tried to do it with your own strength. David had to wrestle all the time with trying to be killed. He'd be invited to dinner and then have a spear thrown at him. Right? Does it, like, do I really want to come back? Like, the last time didn't go so well. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. That goes way beyond brotherly roughhousing, by the way. You know, if you look at that one instance of what took place, getting sold into slavery, there was a whole lot of reasons to shake your fist at God. But to see what took place at the end was amazing and beautiful and could have only been orchestrated by God. Moses wandered for 40 years in the desert with people that didn't like him and complained about him constantly. John, John was left on the island of Patmos to die. We all have our own situations. Job loss, finances, prodigals, broken marriages, broken families, broken homes. There's a laundry list that I, I can't even begin to describe because each of our walks is different and the Lord is doing something different in each of our lives. What is a struggle for me is not a struggle for you. Alan Redpath says, I refuse to become panicky. As I lift up my eyes to him and accept it as coming from the throne of God for some great purpose of blessing to my own heart. That is so amazing because the first thing I do in a situation is become panicky. I honestly forget sometimes who is in control. I freak out. And, and that's the honest you know, the first 30 seconds, if you ask somebody what, what happens when this takes place, the first 30 seconds, you freak out. And really, it's because it's before the Holy Spirit and the Lord gets a hold of your mind. Stop letting your mind go out of control. C.S. Lewis says, God allows us to experience the low points of life in order to teach us lessons that we could learn in no other way. There are times, if you look back, in your, if you look in your life, and I look in mine, there are times where when I was at the bottom and broken, I could have never learned that lesson that God had for me by myself. And I'll be honest, I wasn't searching for it either. So the Lord had to take me there against my will in order to make me stronger and build me up. And he's not necessarily just doing it for, you, for, for your purpose. 
It's for your good, but it's for his glory. You know, when a situation happens and you're walking through it, don't think that you're the only person that sees it. There are people around you that have their faith strengthened by watching you walk through it. Because they're thinking, how in the world can that person go through that? How are they getting through it? Well, I see him going to prayer. How can he worship? How can she go to Bible study when everything she's got on her plate? So God uses it, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but it's a beautiful thing. And it reminds me of James 1, and the men going through uh, James and bottom rowers. You read a few verses. In James 1, Starting in verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And it, the next one is, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Most times we go into situations and that's the last thing on our mind. The first thing is, how, what do I do? How do I react? What's the next step? Very rarely is it, God, give me wisdom for what you're allowing me to go into. Um, you know, Paul facing death. Chains, whipping, certain death. None of that moved him. Because he was looking at the what was waiting for him. He was looking at eternity, the joy that was set before him. He didn't care about all the things of this world. He wasn't looking at the temporal. He was looking at the eternal. So that's it, right? That, that's really, it as well covers a broad spectrum. So my favorite part of this is the part is well. When someone asks you or you have that term, is well, most of us think, thumbs up, good to go. Everything's straight, good to go, you know, easy street, smooth. That, that's not what it means. Is well in this context is different. Why would it be well? Well, Hebrews 11.1, now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Psalm 47.4 says, He shall choose our inheritance for us. So why would it be well? It, it, am I placing that term, it's well because of the here and now or what I have? Or is it well for a completely different reason? Because of who chooses my inheritance? And who's really in charge? Spurgeon said, Being conscious of our own folly, we would not desire to rule our own destinies. We feel safer and more at ease when the Lord steers our vessel than we could possibly be if we could direct it according to our own judgment. Joyfully, we leave the painful present and the unknown future with our Father, our Savior, and our Comforter. There's a joy in knowing that it's not up to you. You can't fix things when your own strength sometimes. The method of man can't do it. The Lord will do the perfect work. Who's your trust in? Well, if your trust is in a person, it's not going to be well because they're going to fail you. 
if your trust isn't a thing, it's not going to be well. But when your trust is in the creator and God, that's solid. There is no doubt in who your trust is in at that point in time. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you put your trust in a person, that person is not going to be with you. If you put your trust in a thing or something else, anything other than God, it's going to fail you. God goes with you wherever you go. A lot of times in situations, it, for me personally, when something happens, I don't ever doubt God isn't there, but I, I, I think to myself, what in the world just happened? The first person I turn to is God. I'm like, God, what's going on? And, and, and the more I grow in my faith, the more I realize I've got to ask him up front, wisdom or discernment? Don't let me make a decision right now. Because that is often where we fail. When something comes, you make a snap decision, and it's the wrong one because you're doing it in your flesh. We are doing it in our flesh. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. So I, I need to and want to encourage you guys to remember the undeniable knowledge that God is ultimately in control, not us. <laughs> we have never been. I have never been in control of anything in my life. As much as I thought I was from age 1 to like 32, thought I was in control of everything. And then from 32 to probably 5 years ago, I thought I was in 50% control. Now I'm like, you know what, whatever, Lord, I'm not in any control. I will go where you send me and do what you tell me to do. You know, it's one thing, that here, here, here's the one part though. It's one thing to know that in your head. It's one thing to recite that. It's one thing to read that in Scripture. But it's totally different to have that anchored in your heart and in your soul. If you don't have it anchored, you know what an anchor does. I use this, I use this all the time with, with the youth group. And I, one time I even went into like, I'm not even Navy. I went into like Navy stuff, right, of a, of a, of a carrier. And they're gigantic anchors, how heavy they are. An anchor is designed to weigh you down and not let you be moved. But if it's not anchored, you will toss about the waves wherever the wind sends you. So it's one thing to know this and know it, but it's another thing to actually accept it and, and live it and, and rest in it and be able to say, he is my God. He is our God. That is not light. You have to realize that. When something comes up, you're like, I don't have like a next-door neighbor to lean on. I have the God of the universe to lean on. That is something that, it, to me, it gives me chills. I'm like, oh, my gosh, why do I count this so small before? But it's because the enemy wants to crowd that out. The enemy will use events that God puts in your life to drag you down and enslave you and chain you and make you forget the promises that God has given you here. And he's done it to me. He's done it to, lately, he's been doing it to me a lot. I had so much going on, it's ridiculous. Today was horrible. Well, it wasn't horrible. It ended up great. Praise the Lord. But starting today was probably one of the most stressful days I have had in about four months. Phone is ringing. That's okay. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> so, ha happens to me at work all the time. I'm at work. 
Here's the thing. It's got to be in the depths of your soul anchored. And you've got to be reminded, you have to remind yourself, because the enemy won't let you. You have to remind yourself of the things that God has done in your past and how he's worked and done a work in you. Zechariah 4.10 says, For who has despised the day of small things? If God has ever done anything in our lives, don't ever despise it. I don't care how small it is. Did you, guys, did you pay your mortgage? Praise the Lord. Did you wake up breathing? Praise the Lord. There are small things that we brush off all the time, and we forget to turn back to God. But don't ever despise the small things, because those small things that you count as small are huge, and you add them up. The enemy doesn't want you to remember those, because you'll forget who's in control when you're experiencing an event right now. So why is it well? <laughs> because God promises. That's why. Heaven and earth may pass away, and they will. But guess what will last forever? His word. And his promises are in his word. Isaiah 43, 2. I love this one. When you pass through the waters, because we will pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Shall not. That's not, that's not a question. That's not a may or may not. They shall not. Now, the water may rise up to here, but it shall not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. You may smell like a barbecue, but it's not going to scorch you. <laughs> right? Let's get real. Look, there may be times where the water's up to here, or you may be dancing with fire, but it's not going to burn you, and you're not going to be taken away by the flood because we're promised right here. And... and this is what I'm talking about when I have to be taught before I could come up here. Because God had to remind me of that. And he just gave me that yesterday. Like, how in the world did I forget this, Lord? Thank you. John 10, 28 says, And I give them eternal life that they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So how many times has an event or situation made us think, we could be snatched out of God's hand. All of them. Almost every time I've had to endure something or I've been something, I have doubted the fact that who holds me? Who holds my future? That, this was John 10, 28. And I give them eternal life. That's, that's Jesus. Right? Nothing's going to snatch us out of his hand. I don't care how bad it is, and, and, and please don't get me wrong. I am not and never will pay lip service to some of the trials and, and, and tribulations all of us are facing. I don't know them all, and, and you don't know all mine. And I know that some of them have, have broken you, the sobbing, heartbreak, crying. I, that is not light, but nothing will take you out of God's hand. The situation you're in that is causing that, don't let the enemy fool you. You are in God's hand, and you always will be. Job 42.2 says, I know you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. We don't use that word enough, thwarted. I like that. It's old English. Look, if the Lord has allowed you in a situation, has allowed me in a situation, ask him, we need to ask him for wisdom 
and for strength, for discernment. Job reminds us that if it's God's purpose, his purpose will happen. It can't be thwarted. And, and sometimes, the, the term kicking against the goads, I have, I have done that because I didn't like God's purpose. I didn't like what God was, was doing. I could, I could actually see what he was trying to get me to do. I'm like, uh-uh. Like, I'm going that way. And that way was worse because that was when God said, no, now I'm going to break you and bring you back. And guess where I ended up? I should have just gone that way. If the Lord has allowed us in a situation, look to him for direction as you go through it. I'm pretty sure Paul didn't want to keep that thorn in the flesh. Pretty sure that he thought he could probably have a better ministry or do more without that. That wasn't God's purpose. And I don't claim to know why God gave him that thorn in the flesh, but I have some ideas. But we see in the New Testament how amazing Paul was used from persecuting Christians and chasing after them to, to enslave them and bring them back to becoming one of the most open, free, and, and I'm going to go reach everyone I can. So why is it well? Let's, let's, let's get to the most important part of why it's well. Because you are so worthy. God sent his only son to die on a cross for your and my sin. And when he died on the cross, our debt was paid. And then when he rose from the grave, we could have an established relationship with God. If God is going to do that, and, and it, even if no one else, if it was just for one person, we were so worthy, God chased after us. He desired the relationship with us. If God did that, why would he withhold anything from us? Now, again, it may not be our plan. We may think the best thing would be the new job or a new car or just picking up and moving and escaping from our problems. That's, what, that, that, that's my plan. No, what's good for you is what God has in store for you. Matthew 7.11 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good, give, give good things to those who ask him? Again, we need to re remember what lens are we looking through. Are we looking through the temporal here and now? Or are we looking through the eternal? That's why it's well. Because whatever we're dealing with, whatever, happening, whatever is happening in our lives is because God has allowed it. There is nothing that happens. What happened to Job? It wasn't an accident. God allowed that to take place. What's happening in our lives, God is allowing to take place. It's going to change us, but it's also going to glorify Him, isn't it? You know, I didn't think I could go deeper in prayer. I think we all, <laughs> you ask any one of us, no, I'm good. I can't go deeper. But I'll tell you what, Julie's accident made me go to levels deeper I didn't realize existed. I was so broken. I didn't realize so much of myself had to be shaved off. The beautiful physician with a scalpel taking things off that didn't belong. And you know what? I praise him for it. We've all had things to walk through. 
We're saying it is well with my soul was the last thing we could think of uttering. Could barely speak, let alone think it. But it is well with my soul isn't always a hymn that you sing. Sometimes it's the knowledge that God is in control and has ordained something. And according to Psalm 138.8, I love this verse because it's for everyone. He will perfect that which concerns you. Peace or sorrow? Either one. He's going to perfect that which concerns you. It's the knowledge that he is going to use you at that time to change others. You know, I think, uh, and I, I think of Pastor Randy and his family, and I love that brother. Love him for years. What the Lord is allowing him and Michelle and their family to walk through, it, granted, the Lord is doing a work in that family. But to see the work that the Lord is doing in the body of God because of what they're walking through, I, I am literally blown away. I have seen children fasting for the first time, <laughs> joyfully, right? And it's not just food. I've seen him give up electronics. I've seen him give up all types of stuff, joyfully. I have seen people on their knees in prayer that might not have ever been on their knees before in their life. And, and I, these are all true and things I have seen. I have seen people fasting for the first time. And for me, I wrote it down because I'm wide open Fasting was a thing in the past I, I didn't know much about, and I didn't push against it, but I didn't volunteer for it either. To have that sign-up list, I was excited to get on the list to fast because I had a day like, I have a day. I can fast, and it's me and me alone. And I can go before the throne boldly of grace for Pastor Randy and his family. So, what the Lord is allowing them to walk through has changed me and my prayer life and, and, and knowledge of what fasting is and the power in it. But he uses each of the things that he allows us to walk through to change other people. Because remember, people are watching how you deal with it. It's not just the world, it's other believers. It's how you react to things. In your circumstances, there's going to be hurt, pain, crying, and it is well doesn't mean that we're not affected. You can say it is well and, and hurt. It's okay to do that. God could have spared Job from enduring what he lost. Jesus wept for Lazarus. Fast in the desert could have called 10,000 angels to keep him from going to the cross, but he didn't because that was the Father's will. Jesus felt every human emotion possible. So he knows your pain. He knows your hurt, the sobbing, the quiet times that only you and he are together. And he's compassionate. That's why it's well. The last part of this is with my soul. So it is well with my soul. Um, it's not well with my mind. It's not well with my heart. It's not well with my friends. It's not well with my family. It's not what the hymn is. It's well with my soul. Why? Hebrews 13, 14 says, this world's not our permanent home. Romans 12, 2. 
don't be conformed to this world. If we're not to be conformed to this world, there's a world we are to be conformed to. Right? The place that Jesus has gone before to prepare for us. That's what everything in our life is shaping us for. For the service of God in his kingdom. See, the reason why it's well with my soul is because it's eternal. Not temporal. It's not here and now. If we did it is well with my heart and mind right here and now, you'd be bouncing around all over the place. It is well, it's not well. It is well, it's not well. Right? And it's emotion-driven. What may be happy for you one day is not necessarily happy for the next day. So then it's, then it's not well. The soul is eternal. That's why it's well. It's the lens that we look through that matters for this. The Father's working in us things that we couldn't or wouldn't do ourselves. And, and like I said before, Anna on the boat and what she said afterward really struck a chord because when you are standing in the midst and standing in the valley, and you're standing and watching the wave come over you, you can't see what's going to take place often. Because we can only see five feet in front of our, ourselves usually. That's why we rest knowing that God has. He's written the end from the beginning. And if your trust is in him, you know he has a plan. Jer- Jeremiah 29, 11. He has a plan. Sometimes we get the blessing of being able to look back and see what we thought was horrific, why we were able to walk through it, and where he brought us to. And that, when God gives you that ability to see that, it is so beautiful. You could have never seen it. But when you look back and you see a lot of our testimonies, my testimony is like that. When I see the road I walked and that he allowed me to walk to get me here, (laughs) praise the Lord. You know, it is well, well, let let me say, I, I will never say at a time, look back and be like, man, I wish the Lord hadn't intervened or done that, right? I'll never say that. Because what he has done is beautiful now. It is well with my soul doesn't prevent human emotions. You know, we have a false perception that it does. You know, if it's well with your soul, you're solid. Thumbs up. Good to go. Move along. You can talk with somebody else. I don't need any attention. Nah, 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 nah. It is well with my soul means it's well because I know the Father's in control, loves me, and has a plan for me. That's why. He will never leave us. Or forsake us. The situation is for my good and for his glory. To use as a testimony to help others walk. Through what they're walking. Show the love and compassion of Christ. You know, it is well. The portion it is well really means that I trust God ultimately with everything. Whether peace or sorrow. With my soul really means that I understand that it has everything to do with preparing me for eternity and glory. You know, I, I pray that this encourages you. I, I, I love the hymn. I love it. 
because God has taught me it really is well with my soul because he's in control and has nothing to do with here and now. It has nothing to do. He'll get me through. He will walk me. He will, you know, I plan a way, but he directs my steps. Remember as we leave to look through the lens of God. Don't, when you find yourself starting to look through the lens of, of wor- the world, you know, well, my next-door neighbor had the same thing, and he was done in a week, and it's like two months later, and I'm dealing with the same. No, 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 that's it. That's the wrong scale. You are reducing yourself and putting yourself on a lower level. God has given us something bigger, deeper, and more beautiful to measure. You know, Alan Redpath, one thing I want to leave you with, says return to the battle again. Return. Don't run from it. Don't sidestep it. Return to the battle again. No longer trusting in the false and insufficient human resources which so foolishly we take into battle. But return to battle now trusting in the limitless resources of our risen Lord. That's why it's well with our soul. We serve a risen Lord who is in control. End of story. Let's, let's pray. Father, I praise you for your word. It's a, it's a lion. And Father, we have the ability to reach out, grab it, hold, and, and pray those prayers, pray that promise back to you and cling to it. But God, the enemy doesn't want us to do that. Because if we don't do that, he can enslave us and chain us and, and, and make us not realize the power that's there. God, you are in control of each one of our lives. Father, whatever is going on here, I pray for strengthening. I pray for boldness. I pray you pour out wisdom and, and discernment, the wisdom of Solomon to each one here that is struggling with something, whatever it is, family, job, whatever the case is, Father. Give them the wisdom, I pray, that they need. Give them your peace, Father. Jesus, you said that you would give us peace in the midst of the tribulation that we are promised. Father, I pray peace be poured out upon each of our hearts as we leave here. All the different things that we are enduring. May you strengthen our legs. Father, may you remind us to put on the armor of God before we go to the battle. But remind us that you are in control. Father, we love you. Thank you for the encouragement of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the promises you've given us that we can hold tight to. May we leave here with our eyes focused on you and and not listening to the noise of the world or the enemy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.